In Acts chapter 15, verse 14, God's people in the New Covenant era are referred to as a people for his name. But when you find out who you are, it has a lot to do with revealing who he is. And that's what this episode is all about. It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shreve. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. We're focused on bringing forth the revelation of all the names and the titles God has given his people. And that enables you to see who you are in Christ, what your inheritance is, what your potential is, what your destiny is, what your purpose is in this world and the world to come. These names and titles are God-given, and they're discovered in the Word of God. Now, we're going to focus on a very unique name found only once in the entire Bible, in Acts chapter 15, verse 14. And this is a statement that was made by James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem. Peter was more of an international leader, while James was localized, and he made this statement in the first apostolic meeting there, recorded in Acts chapter 15. He said, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, which is a reference to Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And the Amplified Version says to bear and to honor his name. So confess it right now. Dare to say, I am one of the people for his name. Now, what does that really mean? I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me five different categories of meaning for that title that rests upon the people of God. Number one, we exist for the glorification of his name. Number two, we exist for the revelation of his name. Number three, we exist for the impartation of his name. Number four, we exist for the vindication of his name. And finally, we exist, most importantly, for the proclamation of his name. We are a people for his name, for the glorification, revelation, impartation, vindication, and proclamation of his name. It's not all about us. It's all about him to begin with. And then, of course, that is transferred to us. But I think you're going to be surprised by some of the scriptures I bring out. First of all, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. And so the name of the Lord is a place of safety. It is a place of protection and preservation. A tower is made up of many blocks, one laid on top of the other, until the edifice is completed. And in like manner, the name of the Lord, singular, is actually a composite name. It's made up of many names and many titles. For instance, my name has five parts. If I were to use the name Reverend, and I rarely, if ever, use it except legalistically, 
because the only time reverend is found in the Bible, it is a reference to God. However, for the sake of example, if you use the word reverend, then my name would be Reverend Michael Richard Christopher Shreve. I have an extra middle name because I was raised Catholic, and during the ritual of confirmation, when supposedly you receive the Holy Spirit, and yet it's just a ritual, it's just a ceremony. I never received an impartation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However, you are given a new name of a saint that is supposed to be your patron saint, that you appeal to, that you pray to the rest of your life and have a special relationship with that saint. Well, the Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, and that's the man Jesus Christ. And I no longer believe that you can appeal to or pray to the saints, but technically that's still a part of my name. So anyway, my main point is my name, singular, is made up of five parts, a title, and four names, Reverend Michael Richard Christopher Shreve. In like manner, God's name is made up of hundreds of titles, titles like the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Door to the Sheepfold, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, and I could go on and on and on. Then he has personal names applied to him such as Emmanuel, which means God with us, or El Shaddai, the name he revealed to Abraham, which means the Almighty God. Well, all of these divine titles and all of these divine names make this huge tower of safety and protection and preservation and provision, because in that protected place is the provision of all that those names declare belong to you by virtue of your relationship with God. Isn't that wonderful? So if we are a people for his name, first we run into the tower of the name of the Lord. There's another scripture I want to bring out, and it's found in the Song of Solomon, which is a beautiful book that has an exchange of conversational statements between the bridegroom and the bride, and also a third set of voices, which is the daughters of Jerusalem. Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 3 says, because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Now, I believe that's a statement made by the bride to the bridegroom. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is as ointment poured forth. In other words, a perfume-like aroma fills our lives when we call on the name of the Lord. It's like all of a sudden, the aroma of heaven comes into our earthly existences, our earthly spheres of uh, life and existence and our day-to-day encounters with people, our day-to-day endeavors, our day-to-day actions. And we bring up the name of the Lord in our conversations, and it's like the aroma of heaven is there, the sweetness of having a covenant connection with God. And so the bride of the Song of Solomon declares, your name is like ointment poured out over my life. Of course, that ointment is the oil of the anointing, which is referred to as the oil of gladness and the oil of joy. Praise God. 
What a joyous thing, what a glad thing to know the name of the Lord. Now, having laid all of that as a foundation, I want to show you a really marvelous aspect of being a people for his name. And that's the first of those five categories that I mentioned at the beginning, that we exist as a people, a covenant people, for the glorification of his name. And you would not expect a couple of the scriptures I'm going to quote to be connected to the idea of those things being for his name's sake. You think they're for our sake. For instance, Psalm 23 verse 3 said that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, wait a second. I thought it was for my sake that God gives me the grace to live a righteous life. I live by the moral standards, the moral parameters that he gives in his word that I'm supposed to live within in order to have a blessed life and a protected life, a life full of God's provision. Isn't it for my sake? No, not just for your sake, not just for my sake, but Psalm 23, 3 says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So it brings glory to him because when we are enabled and empowered by the Spirit and by the Word to live righteous lives, it's going to return in the form of worship to him because we're going to have a passion to worship him because we're changed, we're transformed. But it's not only going to flow out of us. People are going to witness that change in our lives and realize it wasn't just a decision, an act of willpower on our part. It was something supernatural that transformed us, and it will redound to his glory. It will be for his name's sake. They'll know we are Christians by our love, the old song says. And it's so true. When you live a life of love, then you'll love the life you live. I love that statement. In fact, I've got it right here on my desk that if you love the life you live, you will live a life of love. And that love is an indicator to the world that somebody lives in you who is the Lord of love. His name is Jesus. But that's not the only scripture I'm going to take you to in this particular area. Psalm 106, verse 8. God is referring to the passage of the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And actually, I'm going to read the verse prior and the verse after, verse 8 in Psalm 106. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, and I love the word nevertheless, because it means always more. In other words, yes, they were rebellious and they were unbelieving and they were fearful and they crouched in terror at, at the Red Sea's edge and thought that Pharaoh's army would devastate them. Nevertheless, always the more he saved them for his name's sake. For his namesake. It wasn't just so they could be delivered from the bondage of Egypt. It wasn't just so his promise to Abraham could be fulfilled. It wasn't just so the people of Israel would have a more fulfilling existence. It was for his namesake because I guarantee you they did not have Facebook and Twitter and they did not have the internet 
and they did not have uh, cell phones and the means of communication that we have now. But you can be sure word spread throughout the whole world. These people called the Jews, the Israelites, have this supernatural connection with the Almighty God, and he opens the Red Sea before them and brings it crashing in on Pharaoh's army. Their leader has a stick, and he strikes a rock with it, and a river of water gushes out. The desert should have killed them, but this God they serve brings manna out of heaven. It was all for his name's sake, that the world might know there is one true and living God in the midst of all the deities that are humanly manufactured, products of human imagination, false idols, false gods, worshiped by the multitudes in this world, got a witness during that grand exit from Egypt that there was one true and living God. And so he saved them for his name's sake. But see, that overflows into a new covenant way of looking at it too, because you and I weren't under Pharaoh's dominion or his harsh taskmasters ruling us on a day-to-day basis with the cracking of their whips, but we were under Satan's dominion and the taskmasters that were in control of our lives were the demonic forces that whipped us around with their influence, their evil diabolical plans. And maybe we weren't in bondage in Egypt. Maybe we weren't slaves in a foreign land, but we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to the lower nature. We were slaves to the control of Satan and his demonic underlings that had authority over us until the revelation of the name of Jesus came to us. And then he may not have exited us out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness where he went before his people as a pillar of fire and a cloudy pillar, but he did exit us out of the bondage of sin and take us through the impassable uh, hindrance that that prevents any human being from getting loose from this lower nature. And that's the curse that's on all mankind. But just like he opened the Red Sea, he opened up the curse for us and we went through it into a relationship with him where he goes before us now. He guides us through the wilderness of sin. We have a brand new life and it's all for the glory of his name. Salvation came to us We were saved from sin, saved from Satan, saved from the curse, saved from the lower nature. One day to be saved from death and hell and the grave. Everything negative that any human being faces, we have been saved from for his name's sake. It's all for the glory of his name. I love 1 John 2, verse 12. Listen to this. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Isn't that an amazing thought? That not only does he forgive your sins because you need to be cleansed, you need to be delivered, you need to be set free. You need your sins blotted out where they will not be hanging over you when you pass from time into eternity and be waiting on you to... Prove your guiltiness in the sight of God. 
Yes, you need to be forgiven for your sake. But the Bible says your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I don't think there's anything that gives glory to the name of Jesus any more than your sins being wiped out of existence. You're not just forgiven. That word forgive comes from old English words, forth give, that means to send forth or to send away. What God does is he dismisses sin from your life altogether. He, he removes it. He doesn't just cover it. That's an Old Testament word, the word atonement, which means a covering for sin. That's what the blood of animals provided, just a temporary way of dealing with sin. You've received more than atonement. You've received the absolute annihilation of sin. God said in Jeremiah 31, 34, that your sins and iniquities, he would remember no more. You have been justified, which means legally acquitted of all guilt, just as if you never sinned. How fantastic is that? Praise God. So your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 25 verse 11 says, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Next time you ask for forgiveness, don't just ask it for your sake so you can be delivered from grief, so that you can be delivered from heartache, so that you can be delivered from the consequences of that sin. But say, Lord, do it to bring praise to your name, to bring honor to your name, to bring worship to your name. Also, in Psalm 31, verse 3, we find out that his leadership, his guidance in life where he leads us by the word, by the written word, by the living word, and by the spirit of God, that inspiration and revelation that comes on a daily basis. The wind blows where it wills, just like the wind of the spirit in your life. All of that is not just for your sake so that you can live a life of purpose, so that your destiny can unfold before you, but it's for his name's sake. Let me give you the scripture. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, and when I see the word therefore, I get excited because it means a conclusion has been reached. And when I see the word therefore, I want to find out what it's there for. And here it says, you are my rock and my fortress. So you're a place of safety and defense, a high place where I'm above my enemy. Praise God. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. You put me in a place of supremacy now. You put me in a place of protection. But I don't want to just sit here with all this provision and protection. I want to have a purpose in life. Therefore, for your name's sake, so that I can proclaim your name, declare your name, do works in your name, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. The next time you ask for divine guidance in your life, try asking for that reason. Instead of just so that you won't be confused anymore, instead of just so you won't be wondering what to do with your life, but for his name's sake, may leadership and guidance be yours. Praise God. One more. There's a great scripture in 3 John chapter 1 verse 7 that talks about those that were active in ministry going from city to city in the early church. 
And John was really encouraging church leaders to treat these itinerant speakers and itinerant workers, evangelists that would evangelize the community correctly. And he said, they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. I believe that's how we should approach every day, that we go out of our front door, we drive down the road to our jobs, to our daily endeavors, to whatever we're involved in. Let's go out, not just to get the groceries, not just to earn a paycheck, not just to fulfill a career, but I'm going out of the door for his name's sake. Now, if we're going to be a people for his name, that's the first of five reasons. I hope I can get to the other four on the next podcast. But first and foremost of all, it is for the glory of his name that he changes us, and it is for the glory of his name that he flows through us to change the world around us. Now, if these podcasts are a blessing to you, either the audio podcast or the video podcast, and you can find out information on the audio podcast on our website, shreveministries.org, if that's good for you. A lot of times people listen to these teachings on their way to work and they can't watch it, but the audio aspect of it is a blessing. So you can go to shreveministries.org and get all the information about where you can download the podcast. Or if you prefer the video, just go to our YouTube channel. That's where it will be posted. Mike Shreve Ministries is the name of our YouTube channel. Also, I would urge you to get this book, Who Am I? and begin your journey into the discovery of all the names and titles God has given you. This book enshrines 52 of those names and explains them in detail. And I guarantee you, it will be not only a grand discovery, but a great awakening in your life to find out who God says you are. So get your copy on shreveministries.org of Who Am I? God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.